So, so welcome to the first ever Southside Church live stream. You know what they say, right? They say that necessity is the mother of invention. And we had some necessity this week. There was a lot of necessitating going on among the Southside staff and team, some all-nighters to get ready for right now. So I don't know where you are, whether you're right here in Chilliwack watching or whether you're across the province, across the country, on the other side of the world. It is such an honor that you'd be here. Here's what I know is going to happen during the course of this service. You're going to be helped. You're going to find help today. We've been praying for you. And you're going to find hope. Your hope level is going to rise today. We've been praying that also. I guarantee it. So we're starting this, serv- this series called Here Below. And the title of the series actually comes uh, from a doxology written by Bishop Thomas Ken in 1674. It goes like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I gotta tell you something. This last couple weeks, I've been feeling the here below and here below more than I've ever felt it. Like here we are, here below. It's amazing, you know, you look around this world and you see so much beauty and so much love and so much hope and so much joy. But then you also look around this world and, you, and, and you, see a, you see some hatred and you see some sickness and you see some pain and you see some fear. And so that's the, that's, that's the life that we live here below. That's the battle that we face here below. And I can't think of a better time to launch into this series. Well, number one, because of this coronavirus pandemic, that's... Um, hurting those that are the most vulnerable. And I would say in some ways the pandemic is, is horrible and, and maybe even the fear and the terror that comes along with it is just as bad or worse. It's also an amazing time to start this series because uh, we're just months away for the first time in, in the history of Southside Church from uh, planting a church home, an everyday 365 days a year church home. And I want to tell you something about that. When we talk about this whole notion of living in the here below, living in the battle that is the here below. This church building that we're building, this home that we're moving into, it's a strategic, calculated move by the leadership of this church, led by God, to take a stand, to put our foot down here below. So I've said it a lot of times, man, like Chilliwack, BC, where I am right now, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Incredible. But we're here below, and here below, there is the physical, but there is also the spiritual. There's the seen, and we look around, and we see so much beauty, but there's also the unseen. And there's a battle raging in the unseen. It's a spiritual battle. The, the stakes are life and death, and the scope is eternal. And what hangs in the balance, who hangs in the balance are little boys and little girls, men and women, young and old, families and friend circles. And it matters. And I want you to know something, that in the midst of that battle, we really believe that by putting our foot down here below, we are taking a stand. We are picking a side, actually. We've decided what side we are going to stand on. We're going to stand on light instead of darkness. We're going to stand on hope instead of despair. We're going to stand on faith instead of fear. We're going to stand on life instead of death. One of the things you hear us say a lot at Southside Church is, man, we want to bring more help 
and more hope and more home. Okay, can we talk about that just for a second? You understand that when you make a declaration like that, right? When you say that we want to bring more help, more hope, and more home, there will automatically be resistance. Okay, if you want to bring more help, you will face resistance from those who want to bring more hurt. If you want to bring uh, more hope, you will face resistance for those who deal in despair. If you want to bring more home, you will face resistance from those who want to bring disconnection and isolation and loneliness. And that's the battle here below. Now, some of you are looking at me right now going, Mike, this, this talk is pretty crazy. No, no, it's not crazy at all. It's actually really, really uh, important that we make it clear. That we make it clear. Because you were, you were born to win this battle. And that's what I want to talk about in this series. So you have a personal savior, a personal savior named Jesus. And Jesus stepped into human history as a baby in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. He grew up and he taught people about the love and the mercy and the grace and the, and the hope and the power of God. And then one day the tide of public opinion turned against him and he was crucified and died on a Roman cross. And it seemed like all was lost, but just three days later, all was won because he rose again. And, and, and really that's history. That happened, that's not a story. And I think for many of us, we know that, but, but we look at that as global history. And, and I want to suggest to you that, that it is global history, but it's also personal history. Do you, know, do you understand what I mean? It's, it's personal to you. In other words, what I'm saying is that if you were the only one in human history who needed to be rescued, Jesus would have stepped into human history just for you. If you were the only one in history who needed to learn about the love and the grace and the hope and the power of God, Jesus would have taught all that just for you. If you were the only one in history who needed, to, who needed to be forgiven, who needed to get past your past, Jesus would have died for you. Just you. And if you were the only one who needed salvation, if you were the only one who needed hope, if you were the only one who needed eternal life, Jesus would have rose again just for you. He's a personal Savior. God loves you. And for that reason, you also have a personal enemy. And his name's the devil. Jesus summarized this spiritual battle in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I come that you might have abundant life. And we talked about the devil. He, he called the devil the thief. And he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. See, because God loves you, the devil despises you. See, the story of the devil goes back a long ways. He was an angel in heaven. And he decided being an angel wasn't good enough. He wanted to overthrow God and he wanted to take God's position. So he recruited one third of the angels in heaven and he launched a rebellion against God. He was defeated and cast down. And so the, the devil is defeated. His defeat is certain, but it's not yet complete. And so in the meantime, he comes after God. He despises God, so he despises everyone who God loves. That's the battle. You say, this is kind of crazy, Mike. No, 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 I just want to make it clear. And this series isn't going to make you afraid. It is going to make you aware. And here's why. Because when you're aware, when you're aware that here below is a battle, when you're aware that here below is difficult, that when you're aware that here below isn't necessarily always a playground, sometimes it's a battleground. When you're aware of that, guess what you're going to figure out? Guess what I want to tell you in this series? I want to tell you this, that you have everything that you need to stand your ground. You don't have to back up an inch. You have everything you need to fight the good fight. You can take ground. You have everything you need, in fact, to stop fighting and scratching and clawing for victory. You don't need to. 
you can fight from victory. The victory that Jesus won through his death and resurrection. And then you're going to see victory in your life. You're going to bring victory to your marriage, to your family, to your friend circles for this city. So I want to jump into that, and I, I want to see our faith grow. I don't want us to be afraid, but man, I, I just really want us to be aware in this series. So I thought I would start off by talking about a character out of the Bible who really reminds me of you. He was a guy named Elijah, lived about 3,000 years ago, and Elijah was a prophet. You say, well, what do I have to do? What do you know, how come the prophet Elijah reminds uh, you of me, Mike? Well, Elijah was a prophet, and prophet means messenger of God, just like you. Just like you. You say, well, I don't even believe in God. Yeah, but you were created in his, in his image. So you're sending messages about God every day. You say, well, they're not very good messages. I didn't say you were a good messenger. I just said you're a messenger of God. Just like Elijah. And Elijah lived an incredible life. He lived in a nation called Israel. And during his life, there was an evil king named Ahab. Ahab had a wife named Jezebel, and she was quite a piece of work. She, she worshipped the, the demon gods Baal and Asherah. And she recruited all these prophets to teach the people of Israel, to try to turn the people of Israel away from worshipping God towards worshipping Baal and Asherah. And the way they did that, by the way, is they said, look, uh, Baal and Asherah will make sure that you have fertility and prosperity when you practice ritualistic sex, prostitution, and child sacrifice. And at some point, God was like, no. That's enough. So he sent Elijah to King Ahab, and Elijah said to Ahab, God's had enough. What you're doing is evil. And you're telling everybody that it's going to bring fertility and prosperity. How about this? God's going to stop the rain. And it's not going to rain again until he tells me to come tell you. And so for three and a half years, it did not rain in Israel. Three and a half years. The entire three and a half years, by the way, Ahab and Jezebel were searching for Elijah. They wanted to get him and torture him or kill him, but God hid him for three and a half years. And at the end of three and a half years, God says, hey, Elijah, go talk to Ahab. And so he does. Elijah swaggers up to Ahab and says, I think it's just about time for the rain to come. But before it does, here's what I need you to do, Ahab. I need you to gather all the prophets of Baal and Asher that you can, and I want them to come meet me on Mount Carmel. And so they do 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah and Elijah. 850 to one. And all the people of Israel gather to watch. It's going to be a decimation, right? Like it's 850 to one. And it was for Elijah, right? So, so the deal is the 850 prophets and Elijah, they each take a bull to sacrifice. So 850 prophets take a bull to sacrifice. Elijah takes a bull to sacrifice. Make sense? Okay. And, and, and so the, the, the thing is, Whichever one of the, the, the prophets, whether it's the 850 or the one, bring fire to burn up the sacrifice, those are the ones that, that worship the, the true God. And Elijah looks at the people of Israel before the whole thing starts, and he goes, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, worship him. But if Baal is God, worship him. So the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah get, get busy first. They get working to try to make fire come down on their bowl. And they, they go for hours and hours and hours, and it's just not working. And, and Elijah starts, it's the first uh, trash talking ever recorded in human history. <laughs> Elijah's he's ruthless, man. Like, he is trash talking these guys. And uh, like, hey, you need, to, you need to speak up. 
You know, maybe, you're, maybe your God is hard of hearing. You know, nothing's happening. And these guys are dancing and they're chanting. He's like, louder, louder, come on, you got this. And they didn't got this at all. And so it didn't work. And then Elijah's turn came. And he said, before we do this, before I see if I can bring fire to fall down on this bowl, how about we do this? Let, let's pour some water on it, like a bunch of water. Precious resource at the time, by the way. So he's risking his life. So he pours water until the whole thing is soaked. And then he prays and God sends fire down from heaven. Could you imagine that moment? Burns up the bull, the wood, the rocks that are surrounding it, all the water, gone. And now all the people of Israel are like, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah's like, that's what I've been telling you, you know? And uh, so, so he utterly destroys these 850 prophets of Baal. And then he walks over to Ahab and he says, hey Ahab, it's about to rain. You better get home. And Ahab goes home, and the rain starts. Pretty amazing, right? Next verse. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of the prophets. And get this. Elijah loses his mind. He's completely rattled. He runs for his life. And I got to tell you something. Honestly, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And, and, and that's something key I, I want us to think about all week long. It doesn't make sense. I would suggest to you, if there's a struggle or a challenge going on in your life that doesn't make sense, maybe you need to look beyond your senses. Maybe you need to look past the past the scene into the unseen. Maybe there's a spiritual battle going on. I wonder, right? Like, what are you going through? Like, are, are, are there things in your life that don't make sense? Like, there's this, there's this thing that you, you know you need to do, and it's not really that hard to do it, and you know you could do it, but something is opposing you. Something is holding you back. Something is resisting you from doing that thing, or there's something in your life that you're doing and you know you don't want to do it and you shouldn't do it and you want to stop and it should be easy to stop, but something doesn't make sense because you can't stop that thing you want to stop. I, I would suggest to you that we all look in our life this week and ask this question. Is there something in my life that doesn't make sense? Because maybe if there is, I need to look beyond my senses, beyond the seen, into the unseen. There's, there, it doesn't make sense that Elijah's so rattled. Like, why is he so scared? The day before, he's facing down 850 prophets. You say, okay, well, maybe he's more scared of one queen than 850 prophets. Okay. But Ahab and Jezebel were searching for him for three and a half years, and God hid him. It doesn't make sense. And that's where I want to talk about this spiritual battle here below, and I want to make it real personal. See, I talked about the fact that God loves you, and he's for you. And that you, you, you have a personal savior named Jesus and you also have a personal enemy named the devil. See, God has angels. And he sends out his angels to bring hope and joy and guidance in this world. The, the devil also has angels. The one-third of the angels that rebelled with him, the Bible calls them demons. And they go out to help the devil steal and kill and destroy. Okay, so I want you to think about this just for a second because it's really important. One of the demons that's actually named in the Bible is given the name 
Jezebel. So what's going on in the story? Is, is, is Elijah rattled by a queen or is he rattled by a demon? Yes. What's going on here is a spiritual battle. You say, well, that's pretty crazy. No, I just want to make sure I make it clear. It doesn't make you afraid. It just makes you aware. And once you're aware, here's what you're going to realize. You're going to realize that you have every ability that you need to stand up, never to back down, not an inch. You have every ability to fight the good fight, to take ground. You have every ability to never have to scratch and claw and fight for victory. You spend your life fighting from victory. You see victory in your life. You bring victory to others. You bring victory for this city. Something interesting about the demon Jezebel. We see, we, we, we see the demon in, in the book of 1 Kings and also the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The demon Jezebel goes after people that God loves especially those who have taken a stand like the people of Israel did when they said, the Lord, he is God. So Christians. Or, or even further than that, people that have really taken a stand like Elijah when he stood up on Mount Carmel or like you and me when we said, hey, you know what I really want to do? I want to bring more hope. And those who want to bring despair automatically are resisting. I want to bring more help. And those who want to bring hurt are automatically resisting. I want to bring more home. And those who want to br bring uh, disconnection and loneliness and isolation are automatically resisting. So i got a question for you. What's going on? Are you facing resistance? Are you facing opposition in your life? Are there, are there challenges? Are there struggles that you're going through that just don't quite make sense? I want to talk about Elijah and what he goes through, and I wonder if some of it is going to be just a little bit familiar to you. Okay, so let's start at 1 Kings 19, verse 3. So he's rattled. He's running for his life. This is what it says. Elijah was terrified. Terrified. Another way to say that would be terrorized. Elijah was terrorized. Terrified. So he got up and ran for his life. That's a terror there that doesn't make sense. I, I already told you uh, the reasons why Elijah had never been this fearful before, but suddenly he was now, and it doesn't make sense. So can I ask you a question? How are you doing with fear? How are you doing with terror? Is there, is there fear? Is there terror in your life that doesn't make sense? Near the end of 2018, for me, there was someone really close to me who got diagnosed with cancer. And someone... Uh, someone else real close to me uh, thought they had cancer, but, but they didn't. And for some reason, those two events back-to-back -back opened a little door in my life, just a little door in my life. And, and basically, you could summarize it this way by saying, hey, I guess our days are numbered. I guess there are aspects of, the of this life that are uh, beyond our control. And that little door that I cracked open when, when I began to think about that, the devil kicked down. I was terrorized. So I would wake up in the middle of the night with my heart pounding out of my chest. Absolutely certain that either I was gonna die or someone close to me was gonna die. You say, well, what were you gonna die of, Mike? Oh, every night it would be a different reason. And, 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 and Corinne and I walked through that and we prayed through that. And we've seen victory in that. 
But I remember one day after Karina and I prayed, I said something to her, and I'm going to say it to you. I don't want to be the seven habits of highly effective people, church. I don't want to be the seven habits of highly effective people, church. In, in, in other words, the church that talks about four tips to a great marriage, three ways to raise amazing kids, seven ways to win with your finances, 16 ways to win friends and influence people, 11 ways to redeem your time. Now, don't get me wrong, that's wisdom, and it's really, really important, and we do need to talk about wisdom. In fact, there's a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Proverbs, which is all about wisdom. There's a book in the New Testament called the Book of James, which is almost exclusively devoted to wisdom, okay? And the entire Bible from the beginning to the end says that this life here below, this life here below, it's more than what you see. There's the seen and there's the unseen. It's not a playground. It's a battleground, and we need to take that seriously. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus said to his followers, I will give you the authority to trample snakes and scorpions, which the Bible uses to describe the devil and demons. And I will give you the ability to overcome powers of the enemy. So I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus has given you the authority. Is it your authority? No, it's his. He gave it to you. So I wonder at what point you and me come to this conclusion that if we're being terrorized, if we're living immersed in this terror, that this is not our new normal. This is not the way that life has to be, and we take authority over it. What's going on? You know, I look around the world right now with the coronavirus, and it's no joke, and it's a big deal. But I feel like the coronavirus has opened up the door, and then the devil has kicked it down, and he's terrorizing people. Here's the truth. There are, there are items in your life, in my life, that we can't control. That's true. I don't know how many days that I have left. I don't know how many days that you have left. But I know that my days are planned and ordained by God. And when I die, uh, my death will be a transition into eternity. But here's the thing. I can stand here and I can say that to you. Right? But it doesn't necessarily help. Like, for example, when I wake up in the middle of the night and my heart is pounding onto my chest, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people doesn't necessarily help me. Like, come on, Mike, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. Winston Churchill, 1942. Love that quote. Amazing. Completely unhelpful in the moment. You know what, Mike? You need to make every day your masterpiece. That's what you need to do. And you can't make every day your masterpiece if your heart is pounding on your chest and you are sweating like crazy and you're terrorized. Okay, thank you. Completely unhelpful. I want to tell you that this doesn't have to be your new normal. It doesn't. You have everything you need to take authority over it. So where's the terror in your life? I look around sometimes and I see people that, that are terrorized, terrified to talk to other people. You know, it's just like to, to get out there and, and, I, and, I, and I could give you some awesome wisdom about that. You want, you want to, I'll give you a tip. Here's a tip. That person is just as scared to talk to you as you are of them. And they'll feel just as stupid if they say something dumb. And if you say something dumb, they'll only be thinking about the dumb. Great, completely unhelpful. Here's what I'll tell you instead. It doesn't have to be your normal. It doesn't have to be your new normal. It doesn't have to be your old normal. It doesn't, ha it doesn't have to be the way it is for you. You have everything you need to take authority over that. And I'm going to help you do that, actually, in just a few minutes. But let's go back to the story of Elijah. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, 
Elijah left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Isolation. Is there isolation in your life that doesn't make sense? Like, I don't know, like, maybe when you were younger, there was someone that you really should have been able to trust, and they broke your trust. There was people that you really should have been able to count on, and for whatever reason, you couldn't count on them. And now you find yourself in this, this position where you're isolated from everyone. Even when you're in a crowd, you're isolated. And, and it's terrible, too, because you need, the, you need people to help you heal. But your brokenness is what's keeping you from people. And, 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 and so it's this self-perpetuating thing. And I could give you all kinds of kind of pithy bits of wisdom and, and catchphrases, but instead I want to tell you this. This does not have to be your new normal. It do, isolation does not have to be you. You have everything you need to take authority over it. Let's keep going. He came to a lone broom bush, and he collapsed in its shade. Exhaustion. I wonder how many of us are going through exhaustion that just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like people who just live for the weekend and you say, man, I, I can't wait till the weekend because when the weekend comes, I'm going to get a little bit of rest. I'm going to get some rest on the weekend. And then Monday morning comes and you're just as exhausted as you were Thursday afternoon. Or how about this? People who just live for vacations. Man, I can't Wait for a vacation because then I can get some rest. And one day back from the vacation and you're just as exhausted as you ever were. Can I tell you something about that? Vince Lombardi, I think, said fatigue makes cowards of us all. It also makes grumps of us all. Like you're not you, you're not you when you're exhausted. You're not. You're not joyful. You're not creative. You're not innovative. You're not enthusiastic. You're not you. And I know there's all kinds of physical things that can be involved. But I want to tell you something. Honestly, if you're facing exhaustion in your life, listen, that does not make sense. That does not have to be your normal. You have everything you need to take authority over that. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a few minutes. Continuing on, Elijah says this, Enough of this. God, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. That's a tough one. A preoccupation with death. I wonder how many of us have kind of walked through fear and isolation, exhaustion, and, and we get to a place where we're just terrified to keep going. Where life doesn't seem like living anymore. And if that's you, I want to tell you something from the bottom of my heart. I've been praying for you all week. And, and, and you might feel alone, but I want you to know something. You're not alone. I've been thinking of you all week. I know it sounds hard to believe right now, but God has an incredible plan for your life. He has a hope for you and a future for you. And we want to help. So I want to ask you right now to just text 604 670-3040. We got leaders from our church that are there, amazing people, and they just love to talk to you and, and help you move into your next steps because this ain't the end. It's not. Maybe for you, it's not necessarily suicidal thoughts. 
Maybe it's just a preoccupation with death, like you daydream about heaven. You say, well, Mike, there's nothing wrong with daydreaming about heaven. I agree, but you've been daydreaming about heaven for six hours a day for like three years. That's a little much. Or maybe you imagine your funeral. You know, or um, just think of who's going to be there and what they're going to say, and that becomes a preoccupation. Can I tell you something? We don't need to fear death. We don't. But in the meantime, we got this thing called life to live. And what's amazing about it, I know I talk a lot about this, but I want to tell you again, man, we've been helped, and we get to help others. We got hope, and we get to bring hope to others. It's amazing. Man, we've found a home. We've found connection. We've, we've, we've found family, and we get to extend that to others. Man, that's life, and it's incredible. So this whole, this whole defeat thing, that ain't you. That's not the new normal. You have everything you need to take authority over that. And I'm going to show you how to do that in just a couple minutes. Back to the story of Elijah. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> Man, that's a great question. I wonder if God's asking you that question today. What are you doing here? Is this really your normal? Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Self-pity. You want to know if you're facing opposition and resistance in your life? Is self-pity a thing? See, it doesn't make sense here for Elijah. I can tell you that he wasn't the only prophet left in Israel, and I think Elijah knew that too. But he's so full of self-pity. You know, when, when self-pity begins to control your life, you know, you know what happens is like you find a dark cloud behind every silver lining, you know? And I could stand up here tonight, and I could give you all kinds of wisdom. I could. I could say to you, um, hey, if you look around the world for something to complain about, you're never going to run out. But if you look around the world for something to be grateful for, you're never going to run out. And it's true, and I love it. Have an attitude of gratitude. But here's the thing with you. You're looking at me right now going, do you think I haven't tried that, Mike? But there's something inside of me that keeps going back and going back and drawn back to self-pity. I want to tell you something. Self-pity self -pity becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You speak negative, you think negative, you look negative, you find negative. It's not your normal. It's not the way that it has to be. It's not the way that it's going to be. You have everything you need to take authority over that, and I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a couple minutes. Life here below. Man, some beauty and hope and, and love and joy for sure, but it's not really a playground. It's a battleground. I'm not trying to talk crazy. I'm just trying to be real clear, and I'm definitely not trying to make you afraid. I am trying to make you aware because I think when we're aware, it's going to fuel our faith because we're going to come to this realization. Man, we, we got everything we need to stand our ground. We don't have to back up an inch. We have everything we need to fight the good fight. We can advance. We have everything our, we need. We don't have to spend our lives scratching and clawing and fighting for victory. We can choose instead to fight from victory, the victory that Jesus won through his death and resurrection. And then we'll see victory in our lives. We'll bring victory to our friends and our family, the people around us for this city.
The Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians 6. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that will walk away from and forget about it in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. So as I close today, I guess I want to ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing with fear? How are you doing with isolation? How are you doing with exhaustion and defeat and even self-pity? See, there's something that I really need to tell you. Everything you need to see victory in every area of your life, you have. And here's the first step. Jesus won the victory through his death and resurrection. And so now you don't have to spend your whole life with this feeling of like fighting for victory and fighting for victory. Like some days you have a good day and some days it's bad and you wonder whether you're ever going to get past it. I'm telling you, you will and you can. Jesus has done everything necessary to see victory play out in your life. But the first step for you, if you've never invited him into your life, if you've never invited uh, his victory to permeate your life, and I, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. So wherever you are right now, watching on your laptop, uh, on your phone, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And I would ask for you, uh, if this is your moment where you want to invite his victory into your life, just pray along with me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I do not have to spend my entire life fighting for victory. Instead, I can live from your victory. So Jesus, today I just ask you, to be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross. I pray that you would forgive my sins and give me a fresh start right now. And today, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord. Give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time into a real life that starts now and stretches into eternity. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that for the first time, I am so stoked for you. What I would love is if you could just take a second right now and text us, 604-670-3040, and just text the keyword life. We're not going to spam you, but man, we just love to, uh, to help you walk this walk. It just gets better from here.